When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Friday podcast here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We've got a fun one coming for you. We've got first half awards for the Browns where we all talk through our awards and then we have NFL picks in the second half of the pod. Let me tell you about Football Insider and how you can get involved. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. You can get all your information, get signed up. You get access to those exclusive stories. After all these reads, I should be able to say that cleanly, but I couldn't do it. All these exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. You also get a newsletter every day with exclusive content uh, written by one a member of our Browns Beat team. Uh, you get a chance to be a part of our texting service, which is where we text our subscribers with news, analysis, reaction. And that's also where we get in the second half. You're going to hear one of our Football Insider subscribers join us to make NFL picks. We do a post-game show uh, with our subscribers. We do lots of fun stuff. Uh, with the folks that are part of our text subscription service. So what you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Get all your information. Get yourself signed up. And now here is our awards pod, followed by our NFL picks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our picks edition, but those are coming up in the second half of the pod. We are going to do Browns Awards. I am Dan Lobby, and I am joined by the whole crew uh, today. Mary Kay Cabot is here. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. Scott Patsko is here. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Ellis Williams. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Nothing like award season. I love the Grammys, the Oscars, and these are the Brownies or the Lobbies, whatever they are. Let's have some fun. <laughs> And Doug Maurice is here as well. Doug, how are you? Doing well, Dan. I voted you as Orange and Brown Talk host MVP. Ooh, how exciting. All right. Well, we got a timer up. Uh, it's all very, uh, all very technical here. My, uh, and I can't wait till you guys get to hear. You can probably see it on the screen. The podcasters can't, but all of you can. The, uh, the alarm is an old car horn. So I'm pretty excited about this, uh, about this development. What we're going to do is we're going to go through. We've got 10 awards. We're going to go through them one by one. Everybody gets 30 seconds to talk about either who they picked or if we've already talked about who they picked and don't have anything to add, then you can talk about, uh, you can talk about your second place person or, or something like that. So uh, that is what we are going to do here. We're going to start with the MVP. Uh, we're going to start with somebody different every award for this one. We are going to start with Mary Kay. Your 30 seconds starts now. Well, you know, I'm sure this is going to come as a big, huge surprise to everybody, but I'm going with Miles Garrett as the Browns MVP. I think he's on his way to NFL Defensive Player of the Year, picking up where he left off last year. Leads the NFL with nine sacks, has four strip sacks, and he has been the game record this season that everyone expected him to be. He's the MVP. Okay, wow. Two seconds left on that. Not bad. Uh, all right, Doug, MVP. Can I have Mary Kay's two extra seconds? I will say Ellis also likes to yammer, but I am taking the clock as a personal attack, Dan, <laughs> just so you know that. Well, you just wasted Miles, 10 seconds. 
Okay, so I just wanted to say, in con- <laughs> Miles number one, my third place vote is Nick Chubb because I think in his absence, we have realized how valuable he is. And once you got past Miles, I just wanted to say, this was very difficult because it's an interesting team. Miles is obvious number one. After that, it's fun. All right. Whoo! Right in under the under the clock. I there, hate Doug. this. I hate <laughs> it. I hate it. You're up. Yeah, I'm with Miles too. It's weird that the MVP of this team is on a defense that's allowing almost 30 points a game, but Garrett's an obvious pick. I went with Wyatt Teller second and Nick Chubb third. Um, I actually put out a poll last week asking who was more important to the run game, Teller or Chubb, and Teller won. Um, so I like that. So it, yeah, it's Garrett Teller and Chubb with Garrett. Huge lead for, for the MVP. Okay. Uh, Ellis? Yeah, Doug knows I'm good for a Kanye rant every now and then, but this is not the podcast for that. So, yes, I have Miles Garrett one. I actually have Kareem Hunt second. I cannot imagine Ooh. what this offense would look like without Kareem Hunt. He's been playing through injury, an absolute warrior and battling. Sure, he is not as explosive on the second level, but those 10-plus runs are still impressive. And then third, I have Baker Mayfield. Look, he's the quarterback of a team, and they get all the credit, and he had that game-winning drive against the Bengals, which was impressive, and it's all right. Boom. Those were actually a little spicy. But we have to move on. I had Miles Garrett, uh, number one as well. I went with Nick Chubb, uh, number two. I don't really have a whole lot to add to what you guys have other than, uh, you know, Miles Garrett has really taken that game to the next level. We saw what Nick Chubb can do for this running game. Uh, I think for number three, I might actually agree with Scott. I know you had him at, uh, higher than three, but I, I might uh, say that Wyatt Teller belongs there at number three. But um, I ran out of time, so I accidentally left number three blank. So now we're going to move on to our offensive player of the first half. And I'm curious if this is going to be the same as what we just did on defense, if it's going to be the same person. I'm not entirely sure it will be, but the offensive player of the first half, we will start with Doug this time. Go ahead. Okay, I wrote this out. Jarvis Landry. When you really think about this vote, it's incredibly difficult because there are a wide range of solid candidates and the only standout candidate missed half of the season so far. Landry isn't spectacular, but he holds things together. It's hard. I thought it was hard to come up with this because when you really think about, so like Wyatt Teller, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, all injured at various times. So how do you figure that out? Jarvis has been on the field. I had Jarvis one, Chubb two, and I put Joel Petonio three as the healthiest, most productive offensive lineman on a really good line. All right, Scott, who do you have? I had Teller at the top. I mean, he's gone from, uh, you know, a guy we thought might not even win the right guard spot to, you know, the best blocking lineman in the NFL over the first half of the season. Even though he's missed the last few games, he was still at the top even when he was playing. I had Chubb second. And really, I mean, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, you could have gone with any of those people here. I think Nick Chubb, though, just goes to the top. I think missing him is a big deal. Baker Mayfield, I put third. Again, it could have been Kareem Hunt, but I went with Baker. You guys are you guys are killing this thirty seconds. I know it's kill, I know it's actually killing Doug, but other than that, you guys are really killing this thirty seconds. Uh, Ellis, who'd you have, offensive player of the year? Yeah, here I have Kareem Hunt again. I cannot imagine what this offense would have looked like without Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, we've seen the Darren Johnson project not really take off. Jarvis Landry's getting carries instead of him um, in crucial moments. And on a page out of Doug's book, I actually paired Joel Batonio and JC Treader. Just thought they both deserve a lot of credit for not only their health, but just being consistent on the interior of that line there. And again, without this offensive line, without Kareem Hunt, this team is not five and three. Okay. I am uh, for mine. I am going with 
Nick Chubb, number one, Jarvis Landry, number two, Wyatt Teller, number three. And I'm going to cede my 23 seconds to Doug to see what he thinks about this whole Kareem Hunt uh, MVP offensive player of the year thing. I think it's very interesting. I think for something like this offensive player of the year, it does, you have to be available, right? So I think it's hard to have Chubb or Teller like at the top. So I do think it's like Hunt or Landry, like productive every week holds things together. Again, there's like nine candidates here, but I get the Hunt love. I do get it. All right, Mary Kay, who do you have? All right, I'm going to say I'm starting out with Nick Chubb for obvious reasons. My second one is Odell Beckham Jr., and I'm very adamant about this. Odell Beckham Jr. won the Dallas Cowboys game for the Cleveland Browns, okay? They would not be 5-3 and three without him. In games that he didn't single-handedly win like that one, he opened everything up for the rest of the offense, including Nick Chubb, the running game, Jarvis, and everybody else on this offense. Uh, number three, I had Wyatt Teller. Okay. Uh, now we are going to move on to the defensive player of the year. Now, again, this is probably going to look a lot like MVP. So if you guys want to talk about somebody else, you're, you're more than welcome to talk about somebody else than who you had first. Uh, we're going to let Scott lead us off on this one. Defensive player of the year. I'm going to give my 30 seconds for everybody to guess who was first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's Garrett and it's got to be Ward second. And I'm really, if anybody else has three players that are different from mine, I'm going to be really surprised I had Ronnie Harrison third, third, who's pretty much the best of the rest. Uh, I'm not sure who else you could possibly put on this other than those three, because the defense has just been so bad. Ellis? I'll wait for the timer to start. There you go. All right. So I have exactly what Scott had. So I concede my remaining 24 seconds to myself to talk about the offensive pick of Mary Kay. I just want to <laughs> double down on that Odell Beckham uh, part of what she had to say. It, it's so accurate. It's so true. The, that Dallas game, I think, is going to be his apex Cleveland moment. And I'm fascinated to see what this passing attack looks like without him. I think it's going to be tougher for guys to be open and just a lot less opportunities out there without him. So Mary Kay, home run there. Okay, so uh, for mine, obviously, look, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, one and two. I could not think of a third guy. Scott threw out Ronnie Harrison. I thought about him. I just don't know if we've seen enough of him. I don't know. I honestly don't know who is third on my list. I, I think this is going to be one of those like no votes for me. I think we're going to have a one and a two. And I just, I can't think of somebody um, for, for a number three. So that's how I'm going to end my five seconds with a big, I don't know, Garrett Ward. And I don't know, Mary Kay, what did you have? You know, I'm going to go, obviously, Garrett Ward. I think Ward is having a Pro Bowl season this year. I think we should start that drum beat because he needs to go. He's playing great. Number three, unsung hero, Sheldon Richardson. Ooh, that's okay? a good one. Sheldon, you look out there and he's making a difference. He's disrupting, okay? And he doesn't always necessarily get the sack, uh, but he's getting that hand up. Uh, he's making the tackle. He's disrupting the passer, not getting credit. All right, Doug, take us home. Scott tried to shame us with the, I don't know how anybody could have anyone other than these three people. So I'm glad Mary Kay had Sheldon Richardson third. Cause again, miles one Denzel two. I also had Sheldon Richardson third and here's why he's seventh on the defense and PFF grade. The six people ahead of him. One is Garrett. One is Ward. And then everybody else has played at least like half as many snaps as Richardson. So I get Ronnie Harrison. He's been good. He's played 194 snaps. Sheldon Richardson's played 413. I'll take Sheldon Richardson third. Okay, now we start to get into, uh, I guess, some kind of kind of fun awards. They aren't all fun, but uh, 
We're going to go with surprise player, and Ellis is going to lead us off on this one. For me, I had Ronnie Harrison first and Harrison Bryant second. Uh, starting with Bryant, I didn't think he'd be ready to block at the NFL level. And meanwhile, under Bill Callahan's coaching and just being a, a smart football player, using angles and being creative, um, he's succeeded at that. He's going to have a long NFL career. As for Ronnie, despite him not getting on the field earlier, uh, he's played well in large doses recently when asked, and this defense needs all the help it can get. So for me, he's the surprise. Okay. And I, uh, let's see, I had him on my list second. Uh, I had Wyatt Teller number one. I think, um, you know, this is a guy that went from being a, he's going to battle for the right guard job. It was never really a battle. He just kind of took it and kept it. And now he's become one of the best guards in football. He's a guy that we actually miss. This is a right guard that we're actually thinking, man, we really miss Wyatt Teller. Who would have thought that? Not even this time a year ago, but who would have thought that at the end of last year? So I've got Wyatt Teller, number one, Harrison Bryant, number two. And Malcolm Smith, I'm going to give him a little love, the veteran linebacker at number three. Mary Kay, what do you have? All right, well, I'm going to go with Wyatt Teller first for all of the reasons that you just mentioned, Dan. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that. My second surprise player is not for a good reason. It's Jarvis Landry dropping passes. I cannot believe he's doing it. To me, it's the biggest surprise of the season. He had three in this past game. He had two in the Colts game. Maybe they can be attributed to the broken ribs. He's got two, probably has a lot to do with it. My third one is Donovan Peoples-Jones for that big TD catch. Okay, Doug? I actually think some of the Wyatt Teller love is like MVP candidate, offensive player of the year candidate is like a little over the top for he's a right guard. I get that he's played really well, but in terms of like actual value to a team, he's one of five guys on the offensive line. So I know he's played well. He is my number one guy here. I think this is where he fits because that he's been this good is a surprise. I did have Harrison Bryant three. And then my number two is Chris Hubbard because I think when he's had to fill in, he's been kind of competent and I didn't think he was that good last year. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Surprise player. Now we go to one of the tough ones, the disappointing player. And again, well, I, this I, might I, didn't be... do, I didn't do my surprise yet. Oh, you didn't go ahead, Scott. Sorry about that. It's no surprise. That's why I tell her. <laughs> so He's number one. I think he's on every single list. I did. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, I had second, maybe just more because he's a pleasant surprise, or maybe it's because the other safeties have been so bad that it's a surprise that anybody in the secondary has made plays like him. Third, I had Kadero Hodge for the simple fact that nobody really saw him getting that number three spot. And, you know, it's eight weeks in and we're still kind of talking about Kadero Hodge. So uh, I, it could have been Harrison Bryant, but I went with Hodge. This clock, this clock causes all the pressure, and I lost track of uh, who had talked and who hadn't yet. All right, now we're going to move on to the disappointing player, and this is the one that I'm going to start off with. This is a tough one because I guess the question is, what do you expect out of this guy? But I had Andrew Sandejo number one because he just hasn't even been, like, average. He hasn't even been replacement level. He's just been really bad for this football team. So I've got him number one. I actually have... Larry Ogunjobi at number two. I expected a big year out of him, and I thought he got off to a good start, but he's been sort of quiet lately. And then number three, again, this is kind of an expectation thing, but Mac Wilson. I think we expected better things out of Mac Wilson. We haven't seen it yet. Maybe we'll see it when he gets healthy. Uh, Mary Kay, what did you have here? Um, or first, a comment on uh, Andrew Sandejo. 
you know, I just don't think he was supposed to play this much. So I gave him a little bit of a pass. I put him number three on my list because of that. My number one guy is Olivier Vernon. Ooh. They gave Olivier Vernon $11 million this year to go out there and sack the quarterback, disrupt him, take heat off Miles Garrett. He got his first two sacks in this past game. He needs to step it up. Number two, Carl Joseph. He was slated for a lot of time, and I think he's been a disappointment. Olivier Vernon's a good one. I wish I would have thought of that. Doug, what do you have? Yeah, I'm here for that Olivier Vernon pick as well. I almost want to add him to my list. I have Sandejo first. I think Mary Kay makes a good point. Maybe he's being overplayed, but he's not good when he's out there. Number two, and it's hard with injuries, but I have Greedy Williams just because, like, Grant Delpit got hurt and you knew he was done. The greedy thing is like, right, that no one knew exactly that it was going to take this long, but his absence really hurts. And it's, I guess it's not his fault, but it really is disappointing. And then three, I have Ogunjobi. All right, Scott, you're up. Yeah, I had Sandejo and Joseph tied for first uh, for all the reasons everybody's said. Uh, the safeties have just been really bad. Ogunjobi's second. He's gotten replacement level grades from PFF every week since week two. Uh, and then I had BJ Goodson third, who, you know, is a guy who they were counting on to kind of be their veteran in the middle, and he's just been in positions that he's not equipped to handle this season. Um, so, yeah, it was really hard to limit this to three players. And I think as far as Mac Wilson goes, if you expected more from him, you weren't paying close enough attention to last season. That's, uh, that's probably fair. Ellis? Yeah, I'll start with this. Um, Anderson Deo is not on my list, and that's because Vikings fans knew this guy was cooked a, a while ago, and Mary Kay is accurate about that. He just wasn't supposed to be put in this position. Um, for me, it's David Njoku, and that might sound odd. Um, the one drop probably makes the pick a little more favorable. He had a great touchdown catch versus the Bengals. But for me, it's about body language. I, I'm just kind of sick of seeing it. Um, to be a professional and be out there and be with your teammates, it's clear he just doesn't want to be here. Okay. So now we are uh, looping back around here for our final five awards, and we're starting with the Wish You Were Here Award. The injured player, the Browns, missed the most in the first half of the season uh, as, as we move forward here. Mary Kay, who did you have? You know what? I, I'm going to say Odell Beckham Jr. once again, just because I think he makes such a, an, a huge difference for the entire offense when you have a superstar out there that takes so much pressure off of everybody else and defensive coordinators have to game plan for him. And I just think it's a tremendous loss. I've got Grant Delpit, Number two, for all the obvious reasons, the defensive, the safety position just kind of went down the tubes until they got Ronnie Harrison. And then number three is Nick Chubb. Uh, Doug, who'd you have? I have Chubb first because they, they missed him longer. It, the Odell thing is weird. I don't have him on this list, but it is odd. They're five and three, and there are more than three good candidates for this no. list, which tells you they are fighting through something here. So I had Chubb one. Delpit two and Wyatt Teller three, but I mean, how can I not have OBJ on the list? But well, he only missed, you know, one in five eighths. I don't know. I mean, of course they miss OBJ, but those other three guys they really missed too. It's it's a credit to this team. They're five and three with all these guys out. Yeah, it's it's kind of balancing that projection with with kind of what's happened. Scott, who's on your list? Yeah, I went all defense here. It was weird not to have Chubb on my list, but I went Delpit first. But just you know, the poor play at safety and just all the trouble they have in the box, he could have helped in both those areas. They have Greedy Williams second. Uh, and we kind of talked about him already. And then I had Andrew Billings third. I don't know if he really counts. He's not injured. He opted out, but um, that's a signing that really would have helped this uh, defensive interior, which has uh, really struggled against the run at times this season. So I just went, I just went all defense. Not that I don't think Chubb's absence is, uh, isn't noteworthy. I like that one. Ellis. I like that. 
Yeah, uh, for me, it's it's Grant Delpit uh, for a lot of the re- same reasons people already said. Um, all it's we're always going to wonder what could have been. Instead, you got Sandejo, and and more than just this season, it's a long term thing with Delpit. I mean, a, a three down safety that can cover the run, stay on a tight end, be good in zone coverage. That solves so many problems on a defense. And now it's going to take a whole nother year to figure out what Delpit really is. And that's just got to be frustrating for Andrew Barry. Uh, all right, mine, I'm, I went with Delpit too, just because if you look at the, the investments they made on the defensive side, it was really, you know, yeah, they extended Miles Garrett and paid him a bunch of money. They renegotiated Vernon, but the real investment they made was using that second round pick on Delpit. Uh, I think he was going to unlock a lot of things. I, I mean, he was so important to this defense that his injury precipitated a trade for Ronnie Harrison. So, uh, you know, maybe they get something good out of it in the end, but I had Delp at number one. I had Chubb uh, number two. And then, hey, there's Wyatt Teller again, sitting at number three. Uh, Doug, start us off with our next award, the most likely to break out in the second half of the season. So it's how you define this, but I'm agreeing with what Mary Kay said earlier about Denzel Ward. I have him first on this list, even though he's been really good in the first half, but could he become like a known, hey, Denzel Ward's that kind of dude guy in the second half. So it's not about him breaking out of nowhere. It's about him breaking out from, I don't know, really good to fantastic or great to excellent or something. So uh, Ronnie Harrison, just with more snaps, number two, and then Jedrick Wills at left tackle, just getting more experience and really holding down left tackle as a rookie. Scott. I read this totally wrong. I thought it was most likely to break out in song. Um, <laughs> no, I, I went with Baker Mayfield first. I think if they get healthy, they get Chubb and Teller back, the running game gets back on track. Baker Mayfield uh, benefits from that. And, he can get back to being the guy we saw being efficient uh, when they were winning games earlier in the season. I had Chubb second. Um, I think he could have a big second half if he comes back relatively soon. And then I just, I put Higgins on here. I thought here's a guy who's hasn't had much of a role in the first half could be big in the second half. Ellis, who did you have? Uh, to me, this was a no-brainer. It's going to be Nick Chubb. Uh, he's going to get the ball 20, 25 times a game. Uh, these defenses of Jacksonville, then Tennessee, and then both those New York games the last week of November and all of December, Nick Chubb is just absolutely going to destroy it. He's going to win people fantasy football championships. If you're listening to this, go trade for Nick Chubb if you can. The Browns are just going to feed him until it, they're in the playoffs because that's their safest route there, and he's got this O-line in front of him, and he's going to be making up for lost time. Well, Scott and I had a, a similar name on here. I had him second. I had Rashard Higgins just because of that, that third receiver thing. They're going to need somebody to step up. So I had to go with one of those receivers that's going to get that opportunity. So I had him uh, number two. And of course, you know, we know about that connection with Baker. I, I don't know how Higgins is going to deal with being a guy that gets game planned for every week and, uh, you know, has a really good corner against him, but we'll see. Ronnie Harrison was my number one. Uh, just again, I like what I've seen out of him so far, so far, and I think we'll see more of him in the second half. Mary Kay, what do you have on your list? So I defined most likely to break out as guys that really haven't broken out yet. Uh, and so my number one on this list was Austin Hooper. I think that uh, Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield are going to have a better connection in the second half that they, than they've had so far. Uh, I think he's going to get more targets. I think he's going to be more comfortable in the offense. Number two, Rashard Higgins, for obvious reasons, is going to get more playing time. And then number three, Ronnie Harrison, because once again, I think he's going to really step up and do some things in safety. Okay, now we get to have some fun here. I'm curious what some of these answers are because there's a lot to choose from in the first half of the season. So we might have similar ones or they might, 
end up being a little bit different. Scott, lead us off your best play of the first half of the season. Uh, I went with the 50-yard TD run by Odell against the Cowboys. That was, was just such an incredible play. It went from, you know, a 15 to 20-yard loss to the to the huge touchdown. And, I mean, the Cowboys were really rallying at that point, and it just kind of turned things around for them. It was just an incredible play just by itself. So that was easy, easy choice for me. I put the Peoples-Jones touchdown against the Bengals, too, and then the Higgins catch that set up. Peoples Jones's touchdown. I put that third. Um, those are the three that stood out for me. Ellis, what did you have on your list? I've got the Higgins uh, catch that set up the game winner first for me. Um, that play is the one that's harder to find than the game winner. And I know that might sound strange uh, out loud, but when you get in that red zone area, it was like a 24 yard score. That's striking distance. Getting to striking distance is the tough part. And that Higgins catch, the degree of difficulty is through the roof, um, should be a catch of the year candidate and might be the peak of what Baker and Higgins can be together. Well, I was on the, uh, the same page as Scott with the Odell Beckham play. Uh, I had that, the 50-yard touchdown run against Dallas for much of the same reasons he did. I also went with the Miles Garrett strip sack against the Bengals in week two. I, that one's kind of lost, and I know, you know it's another Bengals play, and the Browns won that game relatively easily. But I think that was a big moment, and that was kind of a, a coming out, I guess, for Miles Garrett in a sense of, hey, I'm here, and I'm going to make big impacts this season. And then I also went with the Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown versus Cincinnati. Mary Kay, what did you have? Uh, well, I went with the OBJ. He's kind of a theme for me today, I guess. But I went with OBJ, 50-yarder in Dallas. Uh, then I went with the Miles strip sack. They don't win that game against Cincinnati here without that amazing game-changing play. And then my third one was, for all the reasons that you guys have already described, the Richard Higgins 30-yard catch. Just amazing the way he high-pointed the ball. He had to have that. Absolutely had to have that catch. And it came right after another really important catch. And it was amazing. All right, Doug, what was your pick? I have the Odell touchdown one and the Peoples-Jones touchdown two. And I'm just trying to think like in the last 10 years of the Browns, are those like the two best game-winning plays? Like how great is it? We have a podcast where we have multiple awesome plays to talk about, like crazy. And third, I just put any Miles Garrett strip sack because I can't remember which one is which one. And he has one practically every game. But again, that's the kind of thing. Those are game-changing plays, and he doesn't just have one. He has two or three or four that you could pick from this year. All right. We got everybody on that one, right? Making sure I didn't skip anybody. All right. Uh, Ellis, you get to start us off with the worst play of the first half. I have Baker's pick six versus Pittsburgh. Uh, that's just – the you just can't have that as a quarterback. You, you just – you misdiagnose very simple coverage, cover one robber with the Steelers – first or second best defensive player, not knowing where he is on the field. Um, a low point that completely snowballed for the rest of the game. Uh, and second, I have uh, C.D. Lamb's like 70-yard touchdown or whatever it was versus the Cowboys um, or Browns Cowboys. He just ran straight. And that, again, in football, you can't have that. Okay, so my first, my first two were uh, the Baker pick six against Pittsburgh. And then I thought the second pick against Pittsburgh, too, where he kind of panicked and rolled out and just threw the ball up for grabs. Um, I mean, that was still kind of a game when he did that. The Browns were trying to play a little field position on that second pick, and, and he kind of torpedoed all of that. It might not have mattered. And then I needed to have a defensive play on here. And so I actually went with that third and 18 screen versus the Raiders because, again, it allowed the Raiders to kind of control the clock, control the football game. So I went with that play from Sunday. Mary Kay, what did you have on your list? 
Well, my first one was once again, the Mayfield uh, pick six in Pittsburgh. My second one was the Mayfield uh, pick on his first pass of the game in Cincinnati in part because of the cost of that bad throw. And that was Odell Beckham Jr. being lost for the season. And again, that's a theme for me on this whole entire podcast. My third one quickly, no, uh, David Njoku dropped pass uh, against the Raiders with the Browns trailing 13 to six, huge drop. They lost because of it in part. Doug. Yeah. I'm glad Mary Kay brought up the, the pick that led to the Odell injury because the, the cost of that is so huge. So I had the Minka pick against Pittsburgh one, that pick where Odell gets hurt too. And then for three, I just said any play where the secondary after the play is looking at each other confused, which is again, <laughs> sort of I, there, which one is it? I don't know. They're in the end zone and a safety is looking at a linebacker or a guy's running free. And it's like, who had that guy? So again, pick your time where the secondary got messed up. All right, Scott, what do you have? Yeah, I got the pick six by Fitzpatrick, number one. And I think it, we should point out that it's not just the fact that that was a pick six. It, that play was like the catalyst for the intense scrutiny over Mayfield over the following week. It's like you needed him to have that 22 straight completions against the Bengals to, to get past that. It was just, it was all Baker all the time dissected that whole week. So that, that pick six was just bigger than, than just a touchdown. And I really didn't listen to anything else, but I think the third and 17 against the Raiders is certainly a, a good choice. Okay. Our very last award here. We are looking at assistant coaches, your assistant coaches of the first half. Uh, I guess I get to start this one because, uh, which is good because this could end up being kind of obvious. I'm going, uh, I should start the clock on myself. I'm going with Bill Callahan, number one, uh, what he's done with this offensive line, what he does for this coaching staff, being that mentor, being a guy that Kevin Stefanski can walk right next door, knock on his door and, and say, hey, I need, I need some help with this. Uh, Stump Mitchell, number two, the running backs have been very good. Uh, and my third, I went with Drew Petzing. You know, a young guy, coaches the tight ends. I think he's a guy that Kevin Stefanski really likes uh, as, as kind of an up-and-comer. So I went with him uh, as number three. Mary Kay, who did you have? Well, I went with Bill Callahan, uh, number one, in large part because of the way they have gotten Jed Wills ready to play left tackle. To make that enormous transition from right to left tackle with no offseason, I think has been remarkable. He's holding down the fort over there. My second one, Chad O'Shea. Uh, in the absence of Odell, had to get uh, DVP, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones was ready to play that game. So was Richard. My third was Drew Petzing. He got Harrison Bryant ready to play and he needed to play a lot. Okay, Doug. You're muted, Doug. Muted myself. Sorry. Here, we'll start. That wasn't we'll start you going. muting me. That was, that was you muting me, Lobby. <laughs> I know you muted me. <laughs> I know everyone's going to pick Callahan. It's like I asked Andrew Barry about the offensive line the other day, and he went into Callahan on his own. Everybody knows Callahan's doing a great job. I had Callahan two. I had Stump Mitchell three. I put Alex Van Pelt one because the development of Baker is so important. It felt like Baker got bad QB coaching last year. And Baker's not perfect, but he is a work in progress. And Alex Van Pelt's the guy in there helping to mold him. And I think Baker's on the right track now, and it's so important I put Van Pelt one. Scott? I mean, we should rename this the Let's Recognize Bill Callahan for the Offensive <laughs> Line Play of the Season Award. Really? I mean, I, I don't, who, who else are you going to put on this list? I mean, I guess Alex Van Pelt just because Baker has shown signs of life uh, at certain points this season and he's not, uh, not as bad as last year. 
But other than that, I mean, I'm not sure who else you put on this list. Uh, we don't really get to see these guys in action that much. Didn't really get to see them up close during camp. So it's Callahan. And Ellis, wrap us up. Yeah, it's a Callahan sweep. What's been so impressive among the, the plethora of things that have been impressive about this Browns offensive line, both running and in pass pro, um, the emergence of Harrison Bryant, that has got a, a lot of credit to Bill Callahan that he can stay on the field in running situations and be a three down tight end. Uh, and that this team is running way more than just zone. I, I really thought they would just be the Vikings 2.0, but they're running gap counter power tray man-to-man schemes it, it is beyond impressive. And this award goes to only him. You know what, right. can, can I give an honorable mention to somebody here real sure quick? Can. You know what, Joe Woods has had to, he lost Grant Delpit. He lost Andrew Billings. He lost Greedy Williams. Uh, he's, he's had to, as we've mentioned, play Andrew Sandejo. And the thing that he has been able to do to cover up all, a lot of these ills on this defense, takeaways, leading the NFL with 14 takeaways is remarkable. And it is a large reason, a large reason that they're five and three. Everybody take a deep breath. The timer's off. <laughs> <laughs> we flew through all these awards. Uh, Scott, Mary Kay, Ellis, Doug, uh, appreciate you guys doing this. We're going to have picks coming up on the other side with our football insider subscriber right after the break. But there you had it. All of our awards in one place. Okay. And now we are going to do our picks portion of the podcast. We introduced everybody during the awards, but I do want to get everybody updated on the standings. So uh, I am, I just want to, I just got to say after a three and one week last week, 19 and 13 on the season. Uh, but I did lose that Bills game last week by half a point. Bill Belichick covered. I did not listen to Doug. He warned me to not go against Bill Belichick. The Bills got me the win. They didn't get me that half a point. Speaking of Doug, a two and two weeks, 16 and 16 overall. And Doug did not listen when I said, don't go against Joey covers, or in this case, Terrible. Joey just wins. Terrible. Terrible. Congratulations to Joey B, but you were right, Dan. <laughs> Ellis, 15, 16 and one after a three and one week last week. Uh, and he had to sweat out that Eagles minus nine over the Cowboys. I know he was kind of pulling for his push of the week there, uh, but he ended up getting the win, uh, squeaked that one out. Dropping to fourth place, a difficult week last week. Mary Kay, uh, 0-4, so that drops you to 10-14. and 14, The hot start out the window, and I know that you would like to have a word with the Green Bay Packers after that performance against the Vikings. Well, I'll tell you, I would like to have a word here on this pod <laughs> about this whole week that I had. In my defense, first of all, Ellis, your Vikings really let me down. I picked the 5-1 the and one Packers. By seven over the Vikings. No brainer, right? No brainer. Lost that one. How about, and I put thought into this last week. And that's why this week, my podcat Shelby made the picks for me. But uh, <laughs> podcat, because she's always jumping up here with me to do the pod. Um, Rams by three and a half over the Dolphins. I took, uh, hey, crazy me, right? Aaron Donald, Leonard Fort Burnett against Tua, even though, Ellis, I know you were smart enough to take Tua, but by three and a half over a rookie quarterback, no problem. Uh, Titans, five and a half over Bengals. Why you? I warned both of you guys. I know. We covered. The only one I was a little unsure of was I did pick the Browns over the Raiders. You know why? Because I thought Miles Garrett might be able to wreck the game. Well, there he was over there on the bench in his little winter coat the whole game. So that well, didn't go so well either. 
our, our football insider subscriber last week, Hayden, also had the Browns uh, at plus two and a half. So he took that loss, went one and three. Also got killed by the Saints, who won but did not cover against the Bears in overtime. So that leaves our football insider subscribers at 13 and 19, one and three last week. And so they turn this week to Shannon Ryder to represent the football insider subscribers to try and salvage their season, get them out of the basement. Shannon, how are you? I'm okay. That's a lot of pressure, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> I, know. I didn't tell you any of that until we just came on, the, the amount of pressure you have. <laughs> okay, so just to get everybody up to date the way we normally do this, you pick any three games against the spread, and then we all pick the Browns game. Of course, there is no Browns game this week, so it's just a cornucopia of games. It's November. I can use that, that word. Uh, any four games against the spread this week. And I'm going to start us off. My first pick, I'm going with a big line. I don't remember if it was the biggest line on the board or not, but it was the one that really stood out to me. I'm taking the Steelers minus 13 and a half over the Dallas Cowboys who could be starting our old friend Garrett Gilbert at quarterback in that game. I don't care if they were starting Andy Dalton in that game. That Steelers pass rush is going to roll over the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, cause them problems all day. I'm not concerned about this this line at all. I like the Steelers minus 13 and a half over the Cowboys. Anybody on that game? So, Dan, you aren't scared of Kellen Moore's uh, high school playbook of trick plays and flea flickers and triple reverse passes? That doesn't fear you? Believe, believe it or not, I am, I am not shaking in my boots over that one. That game was so bad Sunday night. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Kellen Moore slander out of nowhere by Ellis starting hot. <laughs> That offense was atrocious. It was embarrassing. It's just it's uh, it's sad to see what's going on in, in, in Dallas, but that's that's neither here nor there. Dan, good pick. All right, uh, let's go to Doug. What's your first game? So, I'm 16 and 16 this year. My brain is not so good with the smartliness. So I'm in this bye week. I'm just going mostly with heart picks. Three picks for Browns fans' hearts, and one pick that is just for me. I actually think. They're pretty good, though. But as they came together, there became a theme. So the first one is a pick between the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. I think I picked the Raiders to beat the Browns last week just on the pendulum swings back. You know, stuff happens. So the Ravens played pretty well against the Steelers last week. Lamar Jackson gave the ball away all over the place. Now they're a pick with the Colts. I know the Colts, I guess, when they're healthy, have a good defense. I think Lamar stops giving the ball away. I think Lamar plays well, and I'm going to take Baltimore in that pick with the Colts. And I, I love, I just, Ellis's mouth agape at my picks is one of my favorite parts of this podcast. So I'll take I, Baltimore. I think no. that line, I think that line moved honestly too. I think Where earlier today it was like two and a half. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll give you the pick but yeah, it moved. Yeah. Oh. That's why my jaw, that's why my jaw dropped because it's one of my picks. I have Ravens minus two and a half. I did these this morning. Uh, a lot of the same points uh, Doug made. They'll play inside, not sold on the Colts offense. Um, their past two wins have come against the Bengals and the Lions, teams that held the number one and number three pick, respectively, last year. Um, and then for Doug to break that news live on the pod that this is now a pick em. holy smokes. I don't that's, know. that's the thing I looked at on, this, on the site that Dan gives us. I, yeah, I, I, I just checked. It, it moved. Yeah, it's a pick right now. That's right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a bonus two and a half points then. So we'll give Ellis the pick them there too. Mary Kay, did you have that one? Yeah, I have that game, and uh, I it was a it was a pick them when I picked them, 
and uh, and it's the uh, I, I picked the Ravens over the Colts. Uh, I think my number one reason uh, was because they are in uh, the Ravens are in such a tight race uh, with with the Steelers. They know how important this is, and uh, you know, coming off that that loss, I just think that they are going to bounce back. And I also think that uh, that their defense will will give uh, Philip Rivers the business. All right. So we have flown through and now we are up to you, Shannon, for your first pick. Well, I, I took that game as well. And I, I went the other way. I took Indy. I think mainly because I just want the Ravens to lose because of the <laughs> over and them. But also I think Indy's run defense, if they can hold that running game in check, I've really, I'm not sold on Lamar and his throwing ability. And uh, he, he was pretty bad. Last couple of weeks, I believe. So I'm going with Indy on that one from the heart and for that reason. One of, one of the heart picks there, Doug. Also a good reason, too. Darius Leonard is, is back, I, I believe, now for the Colts, and, and that defense should start looking better. I will explain the heart stuff when we get to the end, and I, I will maybe say explain to Shannon why, why maybe his heart should reconsider uh-oh. where his heart is at the moment. I know there's a lot of deep-seated things with the Ravens, but we'll get to that later. All right, well, I'm a little concerned that my second pick might force your hand a little bit here, Doug, but uh, I'm going to tell you this one. I'm going with the Seahawks minus three over the Bills. I'm looking at this matchup. Neither defense is really very good, so I'm just going to go with Russ. I'm going to go with the better quarterback. I'm going to take the Seahawks on the road. I don't, it doesn't really matter that much except for the travel part of it. Seahawks minus three uh, over the Buffalo Bills and Doug's favorite guy, Josh Allen. Dan, that's my entrance music. I'm with <laughs> you. For me, the last, the bonus pick that I, this is the fourth game that I wouldn't have picked this game if the Browns were playing this week. This is for me. I'm just going to pick against Josh Allen. So I'm with you. Give me Russ over Josh. Three is not that much to give up. Thanks for setting it up for me, Dan. I appreciate it. Glad I could help. Um, I also have this game, but we have disagreement. I am on the other side. This will now be the third time I go up against Doug. Yeah, I hear it. Yep, yep. I, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. But I am 2-0 in those same matchups, so let's hope this is now 3-0. and um, Just a little bit here on this matchup. Both these teams are coming off emotional division wins last week. Uh, Seahawks beat the Niners. Bills beating the Patriots, even though they probably should have lost that game at the end. I agree with Dan. These defenses are both bad. Uh, home team getting a plus three, I thought, was a, a safe place to land. For the first time, I looked up a forecast before this podcast, <laughs> hoping it would just be like a snowy day in Buffalo or something. Nope, going to be 66 and sunny, so <laughs> Russ will be passing all over the place. So then I'm going to fall back on the cliche West Coast team traveling east for an early 1 o'clock start. The Seahawks don't have a chance. Give me the bills. I like that Ellis is keeping like a little micro record. <laughs> he said that matchups with Doug. He says we're going, we're going deep here. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it, it doesn't bother me at all. Like it's not on my mind a lot or anything. It's just sometimes I think about it. <laughs> sometimes I, I, I think about sticking it to Doug. Yeah, there you but go. Josh Allen uh, has let me down. And now I'm, I'm like the opposite with Doug. I'm, I'm so skittish uh, to <laughs> Josh Allen either way. Like I just, I can't do it. I've got a mental block. Uh, and then Russ let me down a week or two ago when they played the Cardinals. And uh, so I just, I just stayed away from it altogether. Cause I just, I just couldn't get a handle on it. All right. So what's your second game then Mary Kay? 
My second game is Chiefs over Panthers by, wait for it, 10 and a half. It's a big line. Big lines scare me, but I feel okay about this one. I feel, uh, I feel like they can pull it off. I, I think they're, they're hot right now, and I, I think they can win by that margin. I looked at this one. I eyeballed it. I decided to stay away. I think the Panthers are still a little sneaky. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the Panthers are, to be honest with you. So right. I, I stayed away from this one. What happened with the Chiefs last week when Hayden with Hayden the Chiefs cover against the Jets the big line? Yeah, they just blew the Jets out. Okay, I think that was Hayden's one win. Uh, Shannon, what's your second game? So I went with Green Bay and I had it minus two and a half against San Francisco. I believe it's tonight, and I don't think Green Bay's as good as they have looked, but I don't think they're as bad as they have looked at times. And San Francisco has just been decimated by injuries. It's kind of sad to see all that, but um, that's, I, I think Aaron Rodgers comes out big tonight and they'll win by more than two and a half. I don't even know if San Francisco has a roster to field for this game. <laughs> yeah, are they going to play? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see my third pick here. Not a lot of crossover from my games yet. So we'll see here. The Bears plus six over the Titans. I actually have some real stats for this game. So obviously the Titans are sliding. I don't know if the Bears are going to win this game. But I like the Bears plus six because defensively, they are number five against the pass in DVOA. And they are number 11 against the rush in DVOA. Not great against the rush, but okay against the rush. They should be able to move the football a little bit. I know that it's the bears and they don't move the football a lot, but they should be able to move the football against the Titans and, and not much of a pass rush. So I think if nothing else, I'll take the bears plus six. Don't think they win this game, but I think they stay within that six. All right. Yes, the bears, the bears um, are, you know, a lot like the Panthers. I just, I can't really figure out what they are. Uh, they do have a, a, a nice defense that's been consistent, but Man, um, Troy Aikman was like calling for Mitch Trubisky to play a few weeks ago, or maybe just <laughs> last week, and now and then he got hurt somehow, hurt himself in practice. So, who knows what's going on in Chicago? I, I think uh, that defense is strong enough, though, Dan. I, I, I like that pick. All right, so Ellis, give us your third. Yep. So this was um, outside of my mega lock push of the week, which we are not getting to yet. Um, this it was hard finding a third game, which made finding a fourth game even harder. <laughs> but I'm going to take the Raiders in a pick'em. And this was a pick em in the morning. I'm hoping it's still that same way. Uh, yeah, it was in the morning. Okay. Um, versus the Chargers uh, in L.A. Um, I just think the Raiders are a better team. Uh, Browns fans just saw that this this past Sunday. Uh, and playing inside, this is going to look like a completely different Raiders offense than the 40-mile-an-hour wins in Cleveland that the Raiders had to face. Um, seems like the Chargers just know how to lose. So if I'm getting a pick em with the, the Chargers and they're on the wrong side of that again, I, I like my chances there. It's another Doug Ellis showdown. Yes, I'm going 4-0. and I'm taking the Chargers, and I'm taking the Chargers on the rationale of stuff swings back in the NFL. The Chargers blew a 24-3 lead to Denver last week. The Raiders played this weird game with the Browns where, yeah, the Raiders put the ball away, put the game away, running the ball at the end. But, you know, the Raiders didn't come out 
and blow the Browns off the field. It was a weird game. I know the idea of like, hey, it'll swing back and the Chargers will get one. The Chargers have lost a lot of games that they've had some weird games this year. And I understand that. Justin Herbert's kind of a dude, though, I think. And so I think we're waiting for Justin Herbert. Seems like he has games where he looks awesome and then something goes wrong. And again, they end up blowing a game to Denver last week where they're up 21 and they lose 31-30. I think they get back, they get home. They're like, let's, you know, they get it together. And I don't know, the Raiders are like right there at the Browns level, which is sometimes you just lose because you lose. So I actually like the Chargers a, a decent bit this week. And so I was enthused when Ellis took the Raiders because I like the Chargers. Hey, hey Doug, I, want, want to hear a stat you're not going to like? I'm going to act like I baited you into this, but really I just forgot to read it when I had my few seconds there. Uh, Denver has allowed four touchdowns in their previous five drives. Yuck. John Gruden is going to carve that defense up. I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> I cannot imagine, like, your life expectancy is very long if you ever put any money, any real money on the Chargers. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I can't imagine that that works out well for anyone. All right, uh, Mary Kay, your third game. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, tweeting something. Um, my third <laughs> game. <laughs> Mary Kay, quit doing your job and make make fake picks. Let's go. No more reporting. <laughs> All right, I got that out. Okay, so. Um, my next pick, my next pick, and I know I'm going to be wrong on this one too. I just have no confidence whatsoever anymore. I've lost it. I've gone two and 10 over the last three weeks, <laughs> but I am picking the Cardinals over the Dolphins by four and a half. I like Kyler Murray. I do. And the Dolphins won last week and broke my heart because what? What did they do, Ellis? They got a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown? Yeah, and two a pass for 93 yards. It, it two had... pass for 93 yards. Yeah. So I, I think that they're going to come back down to earth. I think the Cardinals are going to beat them. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on this one, too. I've got the Cardinals minus four and a half. And actually, everything I, I wrote down here is Miami got a defensive and special teams touchdown last week, two or three for 93 I, I think this is a, uh, you know, I, don't, I think it's a little smoke and mirrors right now. I like the Dolphins. I like Brian Flores. I don't consider them quite, uh, you know, a playoff contender or AFC East contender just yet. So I like the Cardinals minus four and a half. That's my fourth game as well. Doug, did you have this one? And it is also, it's also my fourth game. And I'm on the same side with you guys. And what this winds up and why I said I made these three picks with the hearts of Browns fans in mind. I'm picking against the Colts, I'm picking against the Raiders, and I'm picking against the Dolphins. And to me, those are the three teams that the Browns are competing with in the wild card race. I think Tennessee is better than Indianapolis. My assumption for now still is that Tennessee wins that division. So I think we have five teams in the AFC playoffs kind of locked in, Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Tennessee, and then both Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the North. So that's five spots. So then you have four teams battling for the last two spots. The Browns are off. And my picks are that they gain ground on all three teams that they are fighting in the playoff race. So for Browns fans who are not watching the Browns this week, I would root against the Colts. I would root against the Raiders and I would root against the Dolphins. And that's my point with Shannon. I understand Browns fans. You don't like the Ravens. But I actually think, I mean, you're not going to catch the Ravens, Browns fans. I don't, the, the Ravens, to me, are not your competition for a playoff spot. When the Ravens or the Colts are playing in a game like that, I think Browns fans are better off hoping the Ravens win and the Colts take that loss. So that's why my head is dumb. But for Browns fans, those are my three picks this week. Yeah, they're, right, they're, let's get, 
Oh, there, head else. Quickly, there's nothing more mentally stable than betting on games that you're also emotionally invested in. So, <laughs> fans, feel free to double down and put some real cash on it too, according to Doug. All right, we got we got four games still out there. Let's start with Shannon. What's your third game? All right, first let me address Doug. I understand that. I just can't do it. I can't ever pull for the Ravens. And maybe if it comes down to Week 17 and it meant the Browns go to the playoffs or whatever, then maybe. But anyway, I also have. I respect Arizona- it. I respect it, Shannon. I also had the Arizona Cardinals uh, minus the four and a half at home against Miami. Mary stole my thunder with the excuses that she gave for it. But I also think two is going to struggle. I don't think he looked real good last week, and I think he's going to have a hard time this week. All right. And what's your fourth game? My fourth game is uh, New Orleans plus four and a half at Tampa Bay. New Orleans has uh, had a lot of – they've had a lot of injuries as well. And they've kind of skirted around the last four games and pulled out victories. And I think um, I, I heard that they were getting some people back this week. And I think that they, them knowing that they can kind of pull things out the way they have the last four weeks and getting the people back, they're going to play pretty good this week and beat Tampa Bay to sweep them for the year. All right. Ellis, you got a game left. Oh, man. You guys saved my mega. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I want to save the mega push. Hold on. Mary Kay. What's yours? Right. You got to save the mega push for last. I respect it. Here's another one that I don't feel very good about, but Patriots, the Patriots over the Jets by seven and a half. Stick a fork in the Jets, and the Patriots are still showing some signs of life. So I think they can do that one by seven and a half. See, and that's the, uh, I, I've gone away from my, my whole Jets thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. I've, I'm really, <laughs> I don't know why I've gotten away from that. I guess I'm nervous. Something worked a few times and now I'm scared to do it again. All right, Ellis, here we go. The Ellis yep. Williams push lock of the week. Yep. Cue the music, mega lock push of the week. Here we go. Took 30 seconds to come up with this one. I have the Texans minus seven at Jacksonville. Reason being rookie QB probably playing for the Jags. Texans coming off a bye plus the Texans did have someone report positive. I'm not sure if that uh, there's been some false positive flying around. Mary Kay may know more, but where I'm going with this is if this game doesn't get played, then perhaps we're looking at a backdoor COVID push. I'll take Ooh. it. I've got multiple wow. routes to the push, baby, and even seven, and the game might get postponed anyway. Give me that. That's our mega lock push to the week. I love it. All right, so there we go. There are we're picks, operating uh, on Doug, a, Doug. a different level from Ellis. <laughs> Those are our picks. Real quick before we go, Shannon, you told us a story about why you are a Browns fan, and I want everybody out there listening to the pod to hear this story. Oh, wow. Okay. So back in 1985, I was always a sports fan, football fan, and all that. And uh, the old Central Division with the Oilers in it, I had always kind of pulled for the Oilers. They were only like two and a half hours away from where I live, but also kind of pulled for the other teams in the division at the time. And I was a big underdog fan. The Browns at Bernie Kosar in his rookie year, they finished eight and eight, won in the division and made the playoffs playing against the Dolphins, who I did not like. And I didn't like Dan Marino. So I was pulling for them with everything I had. And they were up by like 22 points at one point, ended up losing the game. And I cried and I said, I'm going to pull for this team the rest of my life. And I have. And, and Shannon showed us before we started taping his Browns man cave complete with a custom made Browns pool table with 
orange felt on it or with orange brown felt on it. And it's just a, the coolest Browns memorabilia man cave. Awesome. It was, it was definitely the real deal. All right, Shannon, we appreciate you jumping on here to do our picks. And uh, everybody out there, if you're listening to this and, and you're hearing, we have football insider subscribers on here making picks. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page and you'll get all the information for that. And of course, coming out of the buy, make sure you are subscribed to the orange and Brown talk podcast, because uh, we'll have all sorts of pods coming to get you ready for the Ellis Williams mega push of the week team Texans who the Browns will host uh, here in a couple weeks. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening.